are listening to the Cleveland Guardians FanCast, hosted by Quincy Wheeler and Friends, a podcast about the Cleveland professional baseball team and its fans. To the Cleveland Guardians fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. You can also find me at Quincy Wheeler1 on Twitter. Good weekend series for the Guardians as they managed to take two or three from the Angels. Had a chance to maybe sweep the series. Also had a chance to get swept in the series. So taking two or three is a pretty good outcome. Obviously, Josh Naylor was the hero hitting. Go-ahead home runs in the eighth inning or later in all three games. I'll tell you what, when I heard Tom Hamilton go crazy on Sunday afternoon after he hit that eighth inning bomb, I was just screaming, what? What? Because it was just unbelievable that he could do it again. Obviously... You can question Phil Nevin bringing in Estevez to face him, a right-handed reliever. Estevez is a great reliever. He'd been perfect in save chances. He's got some great stuff. Josh Naylor just beat him. I don't know that I really have a ton of criticisms for Nevin there. I'm not sure that Naylor might not have got to Sandoval uh, for you know that point in the game. I think probably it would make more sense to go get a left-handed reliever there. But I'm not going to complain about the results for the Guardians. And hopefully this is a chance for the team to take a deep breath and say things are going to be okay. You know, I, I know that Tito will always talk about not riding too high or getting too low. Just putting in the work and making sure that you come back after it every day. But I think, you know, winning a couple of games like that can give you a sense of taking a deep breath with getting the pressure off your back, saying, hey, we are a good team. We can figure this thing out. The offense has been slow, but hey, we're coming around. The bullpen's had its hiccups, but hey, we managed to get the job done. Just take a deep breath and go after it in the next series. Try to get two out of three in every series that you can, and next thing you know, you're in great position. Obviously, there's some concerns about Emmanuel Classe. I mean, my concern, my panic level, my concern level is still probably at like a three out of ten. His stuff still looks good. I think it's mostly pitch mix. Probably some of it is not wanting to bury a slider down and in because you're afraid Mike Zanino might let it go to the wall. He's got to rely on the slider a little bit more than he has, only throwing it like 30% of the time. He just seems like he abandons it sometimes. He needs to be able to throw that slider for strikes, and then that'll keep hitters off of the fastball. It's amazing that hitters can get to that fastball, uh, but major league hitters are amazing. For a while, he was allowing contact, but a lot of it was weak contact. But there's been some harder hit balls lately, so I think it's pretty important for them to figure out how to get the hitters off a cut fastball and looking for that slider, and then the fastball will be more effective. Some of it might require Tito to not go to Class A every time there's a close game. There's been so many close games, but you know, Tito does a good job in general of trying to make sure that one day, you know, you see Karen Check and Class A, the next day you see Stefan 
and Morgan and guys like that and Sandlin, it's probably time maybe for a little bit to try something like a tandem save experience where Class A gets a couple save opportunities and then Stefan gets the next save opportunity. That's how I would approach it if I had to, maybe to try to get Class A the chance to get his mechanics where they need to be and get the pitch mix figured out. Some of it might be getting a different option behind the plate. Man, catching is a problem for this team right now because Zanino's not hitting. He's been terrible behind the plate. Good framer, but that's about it. Framing metrics haven't even matched up with what I can see with my eyes because he looks like a pretty great framer, but his framing metrics are still kind of middle of the pack, and everything else is lower end of the pack. And Cam Gallagher cannot hit the ball, and it's just like... Austin Hedges level hitting only probably worse than Hedges because Hedges would take the occasional walk. And Gallagher is great defensively. He's great to be able to have a glove like that on the team, but I'm not sure this team has the luxury of that. And Bo Naylor is absolutely tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, and the underlying stats look pretty good for Naylor too. He's really hitting the ball hard, and he's getting uh, walks. His career-high walk rate so far in the minors Obviously, you don't know defensively if he's quite where they want him to be, but how much adjusting is he still able to do in the minor leagues and how much would he be able to be helped by being in the major leagues? I know prior to the game, I heard Jim Rosenhaus interview Chris Antonetti, and Antonetti talked about how Sandy Alomar is working with Cam Gallagher and Mike Zanino, primarily, you'd assume, with Mike Zanino, trying to get the blocking issues down, trying to you know, get the best they can out of their catchers defensively. And if Sandy Almar is that good at working with catchers, then I think that you would want him working with Bo Naylor as soon as possible. I suspect that we might not see Bo Naylor in the majors until late June, early July, after the Super 2 deadline, which for Bo Naylor, because he came up last September at the very end of the season, is going to be a little bit later. For most players, that Super 2 deadline where a team gets you know, that extra year of control for a player will come up at the end of this month, beginning of June, but for Naylor, it would be more towards the end of June. So I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him till then unless there's an injury. It was nice to see David Fry fill in. He had to fill in at the end of a game to catch Trevor Steffen, who's not the easiest guy to catch, and he did a good job, which shows you that he's a gamer. He actually had a great throw to second base. Uh, to try to get a base runner. It was Brett Phillips, so he didn't quite get him because Phillips is super fast. That's what he's in the major leagues for. But it was a great throw, and it was on target, and pop time was 1.94 seconds, which is pretty darn good. And uh, so it's good to see that Fry can fill in there as need be, but he's not somebody that maybe that you want catching a whole game uh, that where the defensive issues could be exposed. That might also be the case with Zach Collins, who's really killing the ball in AAA but has bad defensive metrics when he's been in the majors. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, oh, hey, let's bring up Bo Naylor and Zach Collins and swipe them off, <laughs> swap them out with Zanino and Gallagher, just right off Zanino at some cost. Well, you could really suffer if you start seeing the framing effects where the guys aren't getting the strikes that they're getting with Gallagher and Zanino. Uh, with Naylor and Collins, for example, you could see some real issues other defensively you know, Naylor's had a tough time throwing out base runners, even though his arm is great. Collins hasn't looked good at that in the past. So, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to figure that out, but you do hope they're going to be aggressive about it in terms of bringing Naylor up, maybe giving Collins a look. 
because you just you probably can't afford to be running out a catcher there every day who you know, hasn't gotten a hit in the month of May, and that's where you are right now with Zanino and Gallagher. But overall, there's a lot of positive sides from this past weekend. Obviously, Quantrill gave you another six innings even after he was struggling, giving up three runs. He found his way through it. Just love how Quantrill's a battler. Just have to believe in that guy. Again, I think in an ideal situation, you might end up where Gavin Williams is ready. McKenzie's here. Bieber, Bybee, Allen, Savali. <laughs> if all those guys are healthy, I do again think that Quantrill might be more of a fireman type where you can pitch him two or three times a week, two innings, and he comes out there and gives you the best that he's got. But part of the problem with that is that Quantrill's main value is in being able to give you longer periods of starting. Now, Quantrill might have a different approach if he's going into a game for two innings. He can maximize his stuff, uh, doesn't have to worry about when he's going to show guys different pitches and how he's mixing up, just say, hey, I'm giving these guys the best that I've got right now and all that I've got because I only have to go a couple innings. That can make a big difference in a guy's repertoire, and that's why I do believe he'd be great as kind of that fireman. Hey, maybe getting towards the third time of the order, the pitcher's looking a little tired. Well, we can bring Cal in for a couple innings. Maybe towards the end of the season we might see something like that. It's not a slam on Cal Quantrill at all because he is a capable major league starter, probably a, a really good number four guy and a solid number three starter on a middling team. Like that's where he is, and he shows that to you every day. So that was good to see. And obviously Tanner Bobby looked amazing against the Angels, had command of his fastball. Heard Tito in a pregame talking about how Carl Willis always says, throw what you can command. So he says, don't focus on velocity, just throw what you can command. And that makes perfect sense, and that's what I saw Bobby doing on Sunday. He threw what he could command, didn't worry about hitting the highest velocity. He's got the stuff where he doesn't have to go out there and throw 97, 98, 99, 100 to get guys out. I do think that over time, you'll probably see him sitting a little more 96, 97 than 95, and that will help him. But it's a process. It's a development process for him and for all the pitchers. Logan Allen had his first rough start. I'm sure he'll learn from that. His expected stuff doesn't look great, but again, I think he's got the secondary stuff to help his fastball not be the liability that it looks like on a stat sheet. Excited to continue to see him develop. So that's good. Andres Jimenez showing some signs of life. I, I think it's big for him to not try to do too much, to just go up there and say, hey, I'm looking for a pitch inside that I can pull out of the ballpark. I'm looking for something I can hit hard but then also take the opportunities when he's down the count to poke one the opposite way. Jimenez has a tremendous amount of back control that I don't think it's talked a lot, of, but he can now and then just punch a ball through. And that isn't something you want to do all the time. You want him to be up there looking to pull one out, but especially late in the count, if guys are going to try to get him with that off-speed stuff, that breaking ball in the outside corner, just take the ball and poke it through that hole because they're leaving him a hole right between shortstop and third base. And he did that, I think it was on Saturday, he did that. And if he can do that a couple times, then he's going to earn himself a few more pitches to pull. So go up there, hit the ball as hard as you can, look to put the bear on the ball. But also, if you get down the count, use that back control to flip the ball the opposite way, poke it through. 
like Stephen Kwan is able to do almost every time. Ahmed Rosario can do this sometimes, especially against left-handed pitchers, and that's where the team can make use of their contact ability, but you don't want to do it at the expense of slugging percentage of, you know, getting the barrel to the ball is what's most important, and that's what's most important for Josh Naylor, just being able to barrel up the ball. And I know that, you know, he struggled a little bit with breaking balls down. He struggled with high fastballs. To me, you know, every pitcher in baseball is going to struggle against the sweeper and slider at some points. The best he can do is kind of hold off on pitches that you think might be out of the strike zone. If they get you on a couple called strike threes, that's fine as long as you're able to force them to give you a couple other good pitches to hit by laying off that pitch. But I think the big thing for Naylor is to stop trying so hard to hit that high fastball. If he can lay off those pitches that are up above the letters, which sometimes he can hit and hit a long way, but if he can lay off of more of those, I think you'll really start to see him take off offensively and go to another level where guys are just not going to be able to pitch around Jose or walk Jose because Naylor's going to be right there to hit him. Again, I defended the idea that Tito should continue to hit Josh Naylor against left-handed pitching and not give up on him there because he's had some good numbers against lefties in the minors and you don't quite have enough sample size to say he can't hit lefties at all. But I think starting him for three games against three left-handed starters was too much. Now, Tito might argue with me and say part of those at-bats is what enables him to be ready to hit the ball late in the game. So, you know, if Tito brought him off the bench to face Estevez, would have been a different scenario than if he played the whole game. And that may entirely be true. I have to acknowledge that that may be the case. But I think ideally, you know, once out of every three times you face a left-handed starter, you want to sit Josh Naylor for that left-handed starter and bring him off the bench later in the game. I still think even though Naylor got that home run off Matt Moore, a left-handed reliever, I in his second inning of work, not to discount what Naylor did because it's super hard to do and he put a great swing on it, I do think in general, eighth inning and later, you probably want to pinch hit Naylor against a lefty unless you know you have a big lead. And in that case, you may still want to get a right-handed hitter in at bat. Uh, the Guardians haven't had a, a big lead at any point in the season, so I don't really know how, how crucial that mindset is. I do think that David Fry and Tyler Freeman can hit left-handed pitching, so they need to get some at-bats. I hope this past week hasn't convinced Tito that he never needs to take Naylor out of the lineup. You need to prioritize getting the best hitters possible in there to face left-handed pitching. You've got on the roster, you've got those tools, you need to put them to good use. So I hope he's thinking about that and getting that uh, settled. I feel like it's exciting right now to be a Guardians fan, to say, oh, hey, the team's starting to show some life. We're starting to see some of these great players that we love show what they're capable of. I think that last Naylor home run on Sunday was just an incredible moment, especially with Naylor looking over into the Angels dugout with a saucy grin on his face as if to say, hey, that's what you get when you intentionally walk Jose to pitch to me. Yes, more of that. Make sure what teams know that when they're going to walk Jose, they're going to pay because then they'll be forced to pitch to Jose. And Jose should have had a home run Sunday. I really think he's starting to pull out of things as far as his hitting and hitting for power. So I think things could get exciting here pretty well. Hopefully they figure out that back end of the bullpen issue, get Classe right, get Karen Check as right as he can get, 
get the matchups right there, use hinges a little bit more than you have to help get things going. And uh, hopefully this will be an exciting stretch for the Guardians as they head to Chicago. And I hope everybody enjoyed those great games against the Angels. Got a chance to go with my boys on Friday. And even though they lost, it was such a great experience. Even though the kids' facilities, the fan services at the game weren't great, man, it's great to be in the ballpark and see these guys play and have your kids with you and enjoy that time. So I hope everybody's getting that chance to do it this season and enjoying the Guardians baseball that we get to see. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us on any major podcast platform. Please remember to like, subscribe, download, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.